This conference is part one of a two-part series. What follows is message one of five of the Fall 2013 College Conference, recorded Friday, October 18, 2013 in Latham Springs, Texas. Conference title is Life and Building Revealed in the Gospel of John, Part 1. Message title is The Gospel of John, A Book of Life and Building. Okay, before we get started, uh, we wanted to kind of just give a little background of why we chose this subject uh, for this weekend. We chose the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John is a book of what? Life and what else? Building. Uh, so before we start, I wanted to ask this question. If you're a freshman, it doesn't matter what campus you're from, please stand up if you're a freshman. We'd like to welcome all the freshmen here. This is your first college conference. Okay. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the brothers was telling me on the way in that actually this college conference started here in 1983. Uh, in 1983, actually, I was sitting there, except they didn't have walls here. It was just open air. And uh, we had our first meeting Friday night with the bugs and the mosquitoes and things like that. Uh, but now, uh, if you'll notice, the, everything's walled in. And even this time, we have new chairs. Uh, so everything is going up. Um, so this is the 30th college conference that we've had. It started in 1983. And uh, it's good to be here with all of you. Uh, so here's another question I had. You know, uh, during the summer... Uh, a number of the students and the full-timers were working on the campus during the orientations. And during that time, we had what is called a John Challenge. And I think actually many, many campuses did that. And uh, so if you partook of the John Challenge, it doesn't matter whether you finished it, you didn't finish it, but if you partook of it, could you please stand up? All the ones that took the John Challenge. Okay, you see, this to me is really good. Okay, stay standing. Uh, we're not going to ask the ones that finished it. I know that things come in in the summer and everything like that. But one of the reasons we chose the Gospel of John is because we knew that many of the freshmen had gotten into John this summer. And so we wanted to spend this conference and actually the next conference on the Gospel of John. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if you could open up uh, to the first message. I believe that's, uh, what page is that? That is on page 14. And as I said before, the Gospel of John is a book of life and building. So uh, before we get into John, we wanted to see how John fits into the Bible. In other words, sometimes we need to have an overview of the Bible as a whole and then we see what the Bible's all about, and then we can see, oh, okay, this is how John fits into the Bible. So the Bible, if you'll see in Roman number one, it says it presents two main matters. What are those two main matters in Roman numeral number one? Right, and then if you'll notice in uh, the parentheses, uh, we have life and building. And the reason we put that there is because Christ is life and the church is the building. Okay, you know, there are a number of verses in the Bible that tell us that Christ 
is life. And when we say life, we're not talking about a physical life or a psychological life, but the uncreated divine life of God, Zoe. Any sisters here by the name of Zoe? You know, I've always wanted, if I had another daughter, I'd want to name her Zoe. The uncreated eternal life. Any, anybody doesn't, if you don't have that name, that's fine, but I think that's a great name, <laughs> Zoe. And then, of course, the church is God's building. And, you know, there's a verse in Colossians, and that verse says, it's Colossians 3, 4, it's not on your sheet. It says, when Christ, our life, shall appear, then we also shall appear with him in glory. Christ our life. So here's my question to all of us young people, including myself. Is Christ a teaching to you, or is he your life? I just want you to think on that for a second. Is Christ a teaching, or is he your life? All right, now I see all these brothers on the front row. I know some of your names, so you can't escape, right, Diego? (laughs) Just give me one item of what Christ is. Just any item in the Bible. What? You know, like, for instance, in John, he's a door. He's a shepherd. Right? What are some of the other things, Carl? The Lamb of God. Okay, Lamb of God. He's our older brother. Very good. I mean, you you think of all the different things that Christ is. Now the question is this, can we just do a list of all the items of what Christ is, and that's all we have, is a teaching of what Christ is, or is this Christ our very life? See, this is what we want this weekend. We want to go deeper than just having a list, a long list of items, and I can name off all the items of what Christ is in 1 Corinthians. And I can name off all the items of what Christ is in Revelation. I can name off all the items of what Christ is in Hebrews. Is that all Christ is to us? Or is he our life? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. And then the church. Okay, Diego, what are some of the things that the church is in the Bible? Just some of the things that that the church is. Okay, what is it? It's the body. Okay, it's the bride. It's the warrior. It's the new man. I mean, there's so many different items. It's God's flock. It's the lampstand. I mean, there's so many different items. But again, is the church just a teaching to you? Or is it a real building to you that you're experiencing day by day? See, this is the challenge that all of us are here to take this weekend. We have to go from just Christ being a teaching and the church just being a teaching to something that's really life to us and really building. So the Bible is very, very consistent. And if you read it with insight and heavenly vision, you'll see, listen, the Bible begins with life and building, and it ends with life and building. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but there are four chapters in the Bible that are very special. They're not like any other chapters in the Bible. That's the first two, Genesis 1 and 2, and the last two, Revelation 21 and 22. Very special. Okay, in Genesis 1 and 2, 
The serpent hasn't shown his ugly head yet. There's man, the garden. It's called, it's just, it's, it's pleasant to the sight. It's good for food, the tree of life. Even Eden, what does that mean? Pleasure, right? Then you come to the last two chapters in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22. And the serpent has exited in chapter 20. In chapter 20, he's thrown into the lake of fire. So you think about these two chapters here. They're almost like mirrors just reflecting one another. Okay, in chapters 1 and 2, you have the tree of life. Okay, you you see he took the man and he put him in the garden. And then let's all read Genesis 2.9 under A. Ready? Go. So there's the tree of life. Okay, then sisters on 210. What else is there? Okay, then brothers on Genesis 212a. Ready? Go. Okay, so there's a river, there's gold, there's bdellium, there's onyx stone. And then finally, there's a woman, a bride. Okay, sisters, could you read 21 through 23? Ready, go. And there's a woman, but this woman was not created. The man was created. What was the woman? Built. Very interesting here. You have gold, bdellium, onyx stone, and then the very next thought there is something is built. But the gold, onyx stone, and, and, and bdellium, it just seems they're just there lying. And I would say this. Let me ask, are there any architects here? Who's an architect? Oh, this sister's an architect. Okay. How important are the blueprints? And uh, should the final product match the blueprints? And what if you don't have blueprints? What did you say? Chaos. Chaos. This right here in Genesis 1 and 2 is the blueprint. In Revelation 21 and 22 is the final product. So I think all the architects can appreciate this. You have all the things there. You have the tree. You have a river. You have the materials. You have a bride. Then you go to the next point there, B. And let's go ahead and read B together. Ready? Go. And so here's the rivers here, the trees here, 
except now the materials are not lying there. They're built up as a city. And what is this city called? Right. And what is she prepared as? A bride. The city's the, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and it's prepared as a bride. Here's the final product. So the Bible begins with life and building, and it ends with life and building. And so between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, there's a long, long gap. And so the question is, what is it that bridges the gap between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22? What bridges the gap between these two wonderful mirrors or bookends of the Bible? What bridges the gap is the Gospel of John. Because the Gospel of John is also a book on what? Life and building. So you have to see, okay, once you see, oh, the Bible is a book about life and building. It begins with life. It ends with life. It begins with building. It ends with building. And then right in the middle, the Gospel of John is the bridge between these two ends of the Bible. And this is a book filled with life and building. Okay. In A, it says this. Let's read A together. Ready? Go. Okay, the Gospel of John does not begin with, in the beginning was doctrine. It doesn't say that. In the beginning was teaching. It says, in the beginning was what? The Word. Oh, go ahead and read John 1, 1 and 4. Go ahead. Ready? Go. It begins with life. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And in Him was what? Life. This is how it begins. You know, we don't have the verse on here, but it also ends with life. Because eventually, after all the things are written, it says, all these things have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing you might have life through His name. That's the summation of the Gospel of John is that you would have life through his name. So it begins with life, it ends with life. And here's the thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize. You know, this word life, zoe, it appears at least 35 times in the Gospel of John. 35 times. And if you add up all the other Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's less than 15 times that it appears. So in this gospel, the real emphasis is life. And it says in, in, in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, go ahead. Okay, Jesus is what? Life. Okay, and if that's not enough, let's go to John 14, 6. Ready? Go. Okay. What is Jesus? Jesus is the life. Okay, so now, don't look at your sheet. What I want you to do is turn your sheet over, and I want you to write down the answer to my question, okay? Why did Jesus come? Okay, just, just turn your sheet over and write down, why did Jesus come? 
It can just be two words, three words. Why did Jesus come? Okay, Daniel, what did you write down? Okay, good. Eddie, what did you write down? To fulfill his purpose, good. Timothy, what did you write down? To gain man. Boy, we have some good ones. Sister, what did you write down? To give life. You know, I think we have some people that are very knowledgeable here. I think a lot of people, let me ask this question. Did anybody write this down? To die for my sins. No one wrote that down. Uh, Maybe you're embarrassed to say you wrote it down. Actually, the whole reason Christ came is that we might have life. So let's read John 10.10b together. Ready? You can turn over your sheet now. Ready? Go. Okay. So he came that we'd have life. So here's the question. How do you get the life? Okay. He is life. In him was life. He came that we might have life. How do you get the life? Okay, very good. Who said eat? Okay, look at, look at that next verse there. He said, I am what? Bread of life. Okay, now, what do you do with bread? You eat it. So go ahead and read 51. Ready? Go. Okay, when you eat something, what happens? It gets right into your being. It becomes practical to you. It becomes real to you. You realize that life. How many went to the barbecue tonight? Raise your hand. Okay, you know what? Right now, there's a lot of cow being digested. You know, many of you went to that barbecue, and right now, because you ate the cow... You're realizing the cow. When you eat the life, you realize the life. Okay, then what about drinking? Okay, when you drink, what happens? Water gets dispensed into you. So let's go ahead and read John 4.14. Ready? Go. So, the Lord Jesus never told us to talk about life. The Lord Jesus wants us to experience life. Okay? He wants us to enjoy life. He, you know, this is why we put here, Christ is life, dash. And then what is it? God himself dispensed and wrought into our being. Do you see A? I think it's easy. We just, like, read it over. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, Ben, hey Ben, Ben, what is, Christ is life, what does that mean? Hey Brian, Christ is life, what does that mean? Hey Brian, can you stand up and tell me what Christ is life, what does it mean? Brian, you get an A for your first conference. <laughs> hey, Ben, Ben, Christ is life. What does that mean? Yeah, stand up. Stand up, Ben. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ben, you've got to read A. God himself, read that to us, dispensed and wrought into our being. You see A there? Christ is life. Now read, what does that mean, Christ is life? Very good. Now, now, hey, Ben, now with your spirit, read that. Exercise a little bit to push out your spirit and read that. What is Christ is life? Good. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, when we talk about life, we're talking about God himself dispensed and wrought into our being. Life is not just a term to talk. Oh, we got another term. We had a good Bible study this weekend. We had a good conference. And now we know about life. No. Well, we're hoping this whole weekend in the groups, in morning revival, in the morning mission, God himself will be dispensed and wrought into your being so that when you leave here, you go back on the Lord's day, more of God has been wrought and dispensed into your being. Okay, that should be your goal. You know, sometimes people, we have all sorts of goals for the conference. I want to learn more. I want to know how to expound the Gospel of John. I want to know all the cases in John. I want to know this. I want to know that. Okay, this is the first order of business. I want God dispensed and wrought into my being so that when I leave here, There is more God in my being, more life dispensed into me, and I have more God than when I came here. Okay, that's what the goal of this conference is. Okay, if you go away and you have all the teachings concerning life and more God hasn't been dispensed in your being, we failed. Okay, so this is why, I'm sorry I'm laboring on this point. This is what the goal is. More of God as life. Christ's life dispensed into you and wrought into your being. Okay, then the next one is not so easy. The church is God's building. Do you see that in B? The enlargement of God. You know, you don't think of that when we think of building. Enlargement of God to express God in a corporate way. So we're clear on what life is. Life is God himself dispensed and wrought into our being. Right, Serge? You got that. Okay, when that happens... When the triune God, Serge, has been wrought into your being, there will be an issue. And that issue is an enlargement and an expansion of God. Okay? God gets dispensed. God gets wrought into your being. Eventually there's an issue. And that issue is God is enlarged and expanded in his expression. Okay? I really want you to get that. You know, when... when as I mentioned before, only one person was created. That was Adam. And then Eve was built. And eventually God brought Eve to Adam. And he said, this time it is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That woman that was built became Adam's enlargement. And listen, in Genesis 5-2, I don't have it on this sheet here. You know what God says? And he called their name Adam. It's very interesting. It doesn't say he called their name Adam and Eve. He said he called their name Adam. Eventually, 
Eve was the enlargement, the expansion of Adam. Now, think of it this way. In eternity past, God was alone. He was the alone God. Eternity past. No one there, just God. He was alone. And of course, you know, he was considering and choosing and predestinating and all these things, but he was alone. And then throughout the centuries, throughout all the ages, throughout all the generations, this God began to work himself into his chosen, redeemed, regenerated, transformed people, just working himself age after age, Generation after generation, God has been working himself into man. Eventually, at the end of the Bible, is this God alone anymore? No, he is in the midst of this city called the New Jerusalem with all his chosen, redeemed, transformed people there, and he's been enlarged. So in order to, I really want you to see this, so I'm going to do a little illustration, okay? I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I really want you to see it. Okay, so come on up, Serge. Okay. Okay, here's, here is, Serge, what's your last name? Senna. Senna, okay. Here is Mr. Senna. Okay, we've got to get you back because I've got a lot of illustration here. Okay. Here, here is Mr. Senna, all alone. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't want to remain alone. So... Eventually, come on up, Diego. He gets married. <laughs> Just go along with the illustration. Okay, so he gets married. So we have Mr. and Mrs. Senna. Okay. Then, Mr. and Mrs. Senna, listen, they have four boys. Okay, so four boys, come on up. Come on up, four boys. And just get right in front of Mr. and Mrs. Senna. So now you see there's beginning to have some expansion here, some enlargement here. And guess what? These four boys get married, so I need four of y'all to come on up. Okay. Four of you, yeah. Okay, and they get married. Okay, go get with your husband there. Okay. And guess what? Each one of these has three boys. Oh, so we need, we need how many? We have four. We need 12 to come on up. 12 of y'all, come on up. Do we have 12? I don't even think we... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We need one more. Okay, good. Okay, now, we... This is, how many generations now is this? Just two? Three generations. Wouldn't you say the center life now has been enlarged? Wouldn't you say the center life has been expanded? Now, you think of this. Since Adam and Eve, God working himself generation after generation into man, what does that enlargement and expansion look like now? Brothers, Brothers, that is the new Jerusalem. That is the enlargement and expansion of God as he's working himself into us. You know what? Don't think, let me say this, don't think the new Jerusalem, oh, that's some place I'm going to go in the future. Right now, 
God is being dispensed into you, you're becoming part of that holy city. Okay, that is God enlarged. Okay, thank you. You know, I, I, was, I went over to uh, some saint's house, and they had a picture on the wall. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. And um, there was, I mean, so many generations there. And right in the middle of that picture, there was this old Chinese couple there. They were right there in the middle, and there was, you know, sons, daughters, you know, grandsons, children, everything like that. And I realized, wow, that life has been enlarged. That life has been expanded. You know what? This is what's going on now. His life is being enlarged and expanded. This is God's building. Eventually, it will culminate in this city called the New Jerusalem. And this is what is going on. Listen, you have to catch this. This is what is going on in the Gospel of John. God is dispensing himself into all his believers. And the believers, as a result of this infusion, as a result of this transfusion, are becoming his enlargement. We're going to get into it tomorrow, and you're going to see... It doesn't matter what case you are. Are you moral? Life is being dispensed into you. Are you an immoral woman? Life is being dispensed into you. Are you, are you uh, hungry? Life is being dispensed into you. Are you thirsty? Life is being dispensed into you. In John, there are nine cases. We're just going to cover about half of them during this conference. But it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your condition is. God has one goal, and that is to dispense his life into you, that he can have an enlargement in this universe, that he can be expanded in this universe. And when that happens, there is expression on the earth. And eventually, you know what it says? A lot of us, you know, like, oh, I'm waiting to go to heaven. Well, don't wait too long, because it says the new Jerusalem's coming down out of heaven from God. Brothers, it's coming down. We're we're part of that holy city. As God is being dispensed into us, we are becoming part of that holy city that's coming down out of heaven to be God's enlargement. You know, my mother, bless her heart, she's, when she was 60 years old, the three boys, we decided we're going to give her a gift. And um, so uh, what, what do you give an old Jewish lady that's got everything? Think about it. What are you going to give her? So, you know, I was dumb, and I said, well, hey, guys, why don't we get her a fax machine? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she could buy the fax company, you know. Eventually, my youngest brother, he came up with the best idea. Oh, I loved it. So this is what happened. We're all at the house with my mother. The wives, the children, we're all there, and this limousine comes up to the house. And we all get in the limousine, and we don't, I didn't even know where we were going, I don't think. And we get in there, and my mother's with us. We get in the limousine, and we go down, I think it was in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, we go to this place where they make these giant Polaroid pictures, three feet by six feet. I mean, big, big Polaroid pictures. And so we're there, 
and she's in the middle. And the sons and the, and the daughter-in-laws and the grandchildren are all around. And I realized, what better thing could you give a 60-year-old woman? This is her enlargement. This is her expansion. You know what? Every time we receive the dispensing of God, he's being enlarged a little more. You know, sometimes you might come to a meeting and might feel like, I'm out of it today. I'm putting this one in cruise. As Carrie says, I'm sitting behind the highest hairdo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, take out my cell phone. I'm going to check some things out, and I'm just going to put it on cruise. You're missing out on one day's worth of dispensing. You're missing out. You might think, oh, doesn't matter. I got a lot of days. Well, do you? You're missing out. Everything has to do with you opening and receiving the dispensing of the triune God into your being. Everything has to do with that. You've had a bad day. You flunked a test. You didn't do well in school. Your teacher did something wrong to you. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, time for me to have a pity party. Things aren't going well at the apartment. This brother does not understand me. So I'm just checking out today. You're missing one day of dispensing. Don't think it's a small thing. God is going to get his enlargement. Let me just say this, saints. It's not magical. It's not like all of a sudden, boom, and the new Jerusalem's there. It's not magical. It's today. It's 2013. It's right now as you're walking on that campus, in between classes. God is waiting. Will you open? Will you turn? Will you receive the dispensing so I can have an enlargement on the earth? So I can be expanded on the earth. And you know what? And we've been telling the young people this, especially this summer. When you receive that dispensing, does it just stay there? Does it just stay in you? Or does it overflow to classmates? Does it overflow to friends? Does it overflow to people that you know? You know what? We hope, we hope that it wouldn't just stay in you, but that after four years, there's some continuation. Even there's an enlargement with you. There's an expansion with you. In other words, sometimes what happens is young people think, oh, you know, brothers don't understand. I've got homework to do. I've got tests to take. And... Uh, you know, when I have time, you know. And then all of a sudden, their senior year hits them. And they go, whew, I'm going to be out of here in a year. What, what have I been doing? Brothers, let me just say this. Sisters, don't wait until your senior year. As life is being dispensed into you, it wants to overflow to others. It wants to overflow to the classmates. It, it wants to overflow to the friends. It wants to overflow to relatives. It wants to overflow to teachers until eventually more enlargement, more expansion there. Don't get caught in your senior year thinking, I wasted three years. Don't get caught. Don't get caught in your senior year saying, I wasted. Right now, and I speak especially to the freshmen and the sophomores, right now, have a transaction with the Lord. Lord, Brian, 
I love you, brother. But I don't want you to, at the end of four years at UT, there's no enlargement. There's no expansion. I mean, Brian, if you and I are sitting reading Genesis messages after four years, you and I are in trouble, aren't we? I mean, it's good, it's good now. We get into Genesis, we enjoy it, but, brother, after four years, we should have some others at that table, shouldn't we? This is the type of feeling we have to have, saints. Every one of us has to have that feeling. No, it's not good enough for life just to flow in. Life has to flow out. Let me say it again. It's not good enough for life just to flow in. Life has to. It has to flow out. And when life flows out, you are the most satisfied person in the universe. You know, sometimes it comes to the point when, you know, the, the last life study you read just doesn't satisfy as much. But when life flows out, you touch the Christ experiencing and the Christ enjoying life in the furtherance of the gospel. And, and don't be worried. Don't say, well, I'm afraid and everything like that. That's why we have companions. That's why we're with brothers and sisters that are our age. So we get together and we make a list and we say, okay, there's two people that I'm burdened for. Let's pray for them. Let's, let's, let's really seek the Lord, that the Lord would open the door for that person to receive Christ. Brothers, we have to start now. Don't wait until your junior year. Don't wait until your senior year. Now is the time for life to flow in and life to flow out. You know, you know what the two happiest days of a person's life are? The first happy day is when someone becomes a Christian. They receive Christ. You know what the second happiest day is? When you help someone else receive Christ. And I would say this. I would dare say this. In my experience, it's happier when someone else receives Christ. Hey, Frank. Come on up. You and Dante. Okay, I know, I've known this guy for a while. And uh, sometimes he's pretty grumpy. You know, he's, he, is that true? Yeah. Okay, but, you know, recently I've been getting with Frank, and Frank is all smiles. I'm like, what has happened to this guy? Is he, like, on a life study regimen or something like that? What, what's, he, what's he doing? Let me tell you what he's doing. Life is flowing in, and life's flowing out. Okay, so, Dante, tell him what happened. There's a stream, yeah. So what happened, Dante? I got baptized. All right. When did you get baptized? Uh, last Sunday. Last Sunday, Dante got baptized. And how, how is it? It's amazing. Amen. Would you, would you recommend other young people get baptized? Hey, <laughs> okay, here's this guy. Listen, he's working at Costco's near my house. And this other brother, who's actually, he and Frank are connected together goes into Costco's and says, the Lord touched him, speak to that guy. And uh, I don't know if he did right away, but, but eventually he spoke to you, right? Amen. And uh, there was a little response, and you started meeting with him and with Frank, right? Yeah. They, uh, Go ahead, tell him, Dante. So You've got to speak a little louder. It was one day I, uh, I met another brother.
and, um, and then next thing I know, I see him again at work, and, and then uh, him and Frank are showing up at my house, and <laughs> they weren't letting me go back. Okay, Frank, let me tell you, I, I've, I've known Frank. He, he had a hard summer this summer. Things going on with his family life, with his brother. It was a hard summer. So, you know, sometimes Frank would, you know, kind of shrivel into the Monday night home meeting, and, you know, we almost had to peel him off the floor, you know. Sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, just down, down. Now Frank floats in. He doesn't... He does He's not crawling in. He floats in. He's like a happy camper. He, Sergio, come on up here. Yeah. So Frank says, hey, hey, brothers, I got this young brother. He's a freshman. I want to bring to the home meeting. Sergio. So Frank, Frank brings Sergio to the home meeting. He's taking care of Dante. That guy there is a happy camper. He is a happy camper. He's in the middle of getting ready for his LSAT. He's under tremendous pressure trying to finish school. But he has touched the secret. And the secret is life has to flow in and life has to flow out. And when life flows out, you have touched the secret. Okay, thank you. Uh, I want to finish this message, so I have to go on. But brothers, life has to flow out so God can be enlarged. Okay, God wants to be enlarged. You know that big scene that we had up here? That's not going to happen unless it flows out. You know what? Angels don't preach the gospel. A voice, a megaphone doesn't open up from the clouds. Repent, you sinners! There's no such thing as that. God in his wisdom has chosen what? The foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. He has chosen that through man, life, light, reality is going to be released into other people. And when that happens, God is enlarged, brothers. Brothers, we are actively, actively involved in the enlargement of God, in the building of God. Life flows in and life flows out. And not only for brand new people, people that you're spending time with in your home meeting. You know, on the way to the home meeting, are you taking the Lord Saying, Lord, forgive me for this day. Cleanse me in your blood. Lord, life has to flow in so that when I get to this home meeting, life will flow out to others. In other words, our whole life has to be a life, not just in the furtherance of the gospel, but in the building up for the enlargement of God. Life has to flow in and life has to flow out. And when that happens, God gets enlarged a little more. That's why tomorrow, you're going to be in a Bible study tomorrow. It's not going to be an older brother speaking. You're going to be speaking in that Bible study. You'll see. The brothers will explain it to you. Don't worry. It's a group of you, and it's all young people, and it's great, and life flows in, and life flows out, and God gets enlarged. Okay, then, of course, in John 1.14, you see that there? Let's read that. Isn't this amazing? Here's the Gospel of John, and and he uses this word, tabernacled. The word became flesh and tabernacled. Okay, if you wanted to find God in the Old Testament, 
Where did you have to go if you were with the children of Israel? You had to go to the tabernacle. God was located in the tabernacle. Right? If you're with the children of Israel, you couldn't just go to a mountain. You couldn't just go to a river. You had to go to the tabernacle, and he was there in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. Guess what? When Christ came, God got located as the tabernacle of God moving on the earth, the portable tabernacle. Then in, in John 1, all of a sudden he says to Peter, let's read John 1.42. Ready? Go. Can you imagine somebody coming up and you say, well, your name's so-and-so, but I'm going to change it to a stone. That's your new name. Stone Woo. Your name's Carl, but I'm changing your name to Stone Woo. That's, that's incredible. The Lord changed his name to a stone. What, I mean, what's the meaning of this? What is the meaning of him changing Simon's name to stone. What's the meaning of this? What it's showing us is that when that life comes into us, it doesn't just quicken us and enliven us, but it transforms us into something of a stone. And what is a stone for? It's for building. That's what a stone is for. It's not to be admired. It's not to wear a stone around your neck and we all, woo. Boy, that's nice. No, you're being transformed into a stone for God's building. And in verse 51, he's saying there, you're going to see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What does that have to do with a building? Well, if you read, that's a direct reference to Genesis 28, where Jacob had that dream. He's running away and he, and he's, and he takes a stone for his pillow and he sees the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder. And uh, heaven, the, he calls it the gate of heaven. It's joined. Heaven is joined to the earth. And he wakes up and he said, this is a dreadful place. This is none other than the house of God. So you have Simon's name changed to a stone. And then right away, this little reference here to the house of God. We are not only being enlivened, quickened, filled with life, but we're being transformed into a stone for God's building. Okay, then, then you go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, 19, 21. The Lord says, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews said, this temple was built in 46 years, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he spake of what? The temple of his body. It's like Satan, Satan just thought, all right, I'm finally going to do away with this guy. You know, I'm going to destroy this temple. He was a tabernacle. He was a temple. He says, I'm going to put this temple down. But what he didn't realize, by destroying Christ, when he came up in resurrection, it wasn't just one temple that came up. It was the body of Christ that came up in resurrection. In other words, the enemy thought it was over. It was done. Actually, it was just the beginning of what he was after. It was an enlargement through his death and resurrection. Then in John 3, 
He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. He must increase, I must decrease. Okay, listen. This, this chapter, and you'll see tomorrow, John chapter 3 is on regeneration. There's a moral man. He needs another life. Good is not enough. You need another life. It's Nicodemus. You must be born again. Then, at the end of this chapter, there's a bride. You know what this is showing us? That all the regenerated ones together compose the bride of Christ, the increase. He must increase. All right, if you were regenerated, this is just for the students. If you were regenerated before the year 2000, stand up. Before the year 2000, stand up. Okay, and stay standing. Okay, so some increase. Stay standing. Okay, then if you got regenerated between 2000 and 2005, stand up. More increase. I must decrease, he must increase. Now, if you got regenerated between 2005 and 2010, stand up. More increase. If you got regenerated after 2010, stand up. Okay, listen. Look at that, just from the year 2000. Think about it. We didn't have the oldie but goodie, the goodies but oldies, whatever it's called, stand up. Just from the year 2000. Look at the increase of Christ. He must increase. I must decrease. As he increases one by one, there is God's enlargement on the earth. Okay, then let's go to the next one. In John 14, in my Father's house there's many abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Where was he going? Where was he going to prepare a place? And what was that place? He was going to the cross. That's where he was going. He was going to the Father. And you know what place he was preparing? A place for you in God. Brothers, brothers, he didn't prepare a place for you in heaven. Brothers, think about it. Just think about it logically. With all the problems I have in my situation, in your situation, do you think going to a nice place is going to solve your problems? I'm just being logical about it. What, is, what, what do we need We need to be in God, and God needs to be in us. And what John calls this is a mutual abode. If you read John 14, 23 there, it says this. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make what? An abode with him. Do you want heaven, or do you want the Father to come and make an abode with you? Think about it. Think about it. I'm not asking for any hands or anything. Think about it. What do you want? Do you want a mansion? Do you want a pie in the sky? Or do you want the Father and the Son to make an abode with you? Tell me what's going to satisfy. I'll tell you, there is nothing more satisfying than God filling you and you being in God and God being in you That is rest. That is satisfaction. That is pure enjoyment. Everything else has got pollution in the enjoyment. 
To be in God and to have God in you is pure enjoyment. And you don't have to wait for it. That's the best part. Right now, we can enjoy God. Brothers, enjoy Him. Not worship. We do need to worship. Not just worship, but enjoy Him. Okay, John number three. Okay, John chapter 1 spans time from eternity past to eternity future. I have two verses there. John 1, 1, and that says, of course, you've read it. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ as the Word was God. Okay, don't let anyone tell you, well, yeah, yeah, he was the Son of God, but I think that's going a little far to say Jesus was God. No. Don't let back down on this point. This is part of your faith. The word was God. Jesus is God. Christ is God. Don't back down on this one inch. Yes, he's the son of God. As God. Okay, he is God. This is our Christian faith. This is what we stand on. This is our base. Jesus is God. This section, stand up and say it. This section right here. This section. This section. This section. This section. Together. Jesus is God. Again. Jesus is God. Again. Jesus is God. That's our Christian faith. Don't let anyone take it away from you. No one. Okay, so in the beginning, he was God, but only divinity. No humanity. Then you come to John 151. Let's read that together. Ready, go. Okay, here's a verse in eternity future. But what does it say here? He's the Son of Man. Now he doesn't have just divinity. He has divinity and humanity. He is the Son of God, and he's the Son of Man. Okay, I'm going to try to write on this board with this chalk. I'm not sure it's got glitter on it and everything like that. But on one side, this is just one side right here. All you have is God. That's it. Just God. On this side, in eternity future, you have son of what? Man. Of course, he's also still the son of God. He's son of God, son of man. Now, here's my question. We need both. We need both the son of God and we need the son of man. Why do we need the son of God? I just want you to think about this for a second. Why do we need the Son of God? Because by believing in Christ as the Son of God, we get life. Okay, I just want you to get that. Son of God, life. That believing you might have life through his name. Believe what? That Jesus is the Son of God. John 20, 31, if you don't know it, write it down. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, you might have life. Now, why do we need him to be Son of Man? 
Why does he need to be son of man? Isn't that good enough? Son of God? I'll tell you why. There's a negative reason and there's a positive reason. Negatively, he's the son of man to defeat the devil. As a man, he destroyed him that has the power of death. That is the devil, Hebrews 2.14. He destroyed him. When Satan came to tempt him, if you're the son of God, you can make those stones into bread. You know what the Lord said? Man shall not live by bread alone. Don't tempt me to lose, to leave the position as a man. It's as a man that I'm going to defeat you, Satan. He has to be man to defeat the devil. God has chosen in his economy that one of his creatures would defeat Satan. That it wouldn't be himself. It would be man. This is why it's important. Don't just believe Jesus is the son of God. He's also the son of man because as the son of man, he defeated Satan. He defeated the devil. Okay, then positively, why does he need to be man? And I'll tell you why. Because God can have a dwelling place in humanity. God wants to have a dwelling place. Listen, right here, on this side right here, God was just there in divinity. That's all. But God's desire, listen, is to dwell in humanity. This is what his desire is. He wants to get into man and find his rest, find his dwelling place in man. You go look at that verse in Isaiah 66. Did he have a dwelling place in humanity in eternity past? Look at Isaiah 66. He says, thus says Jehovah, heaven is my throne and earth is the footstool for my feet. Where? You see it? Where? Then is the house that you will build for me. And where is the place of my rest? Jehovah is asking two questions. Where's the house? Where's the place of my rest? I've got heaven. I have earth as a, as a footstool. I want to know something. Where is the house? Where is the place of my rest? Then look at all these things. It says, for all these things my hand has made. And so all these things have come into being, declares Jehovah. But what? You read the rest of it. But his rest is in man. His house is in man. He desires to dwell in humanity. Brothers, you have to see this. Brothers, you're not like the other creatures. You're special. There's all sorts of people. I, I know my brother, I was thinking about it today. Growing up, he loved dogs. I don't have anything against him. And he would go across the street, and there was this dog. It was a beagle named Twinkie. And he'd sit there on the steps and pet Twinkie all day long. He just loved Twinkie. But let me tell you something. We need to speak to Twinkie today. And Twinkie, we need to tell you. As good as you are, you might be man's best friend, but I am God's dwelling place. Brothers, we have the privilege, we have the honor that we can be the dwelling place of God on the earth. God has chosen that humanity will be the place where he dwells on the earth. So you look at these verses, Ephesians 2.22. What does he say about the church? This is Paul speaking. In whom you also are being what? Built together into what? 
place of God in spirit. You, Ephesian believers, are being built together into a what? Dwelling place of God in spirit. Then Peter says, you yourselves also as living stones are being built up what? A spiritual house. Brothers, we're not here just as lone rangers. We're not just here to do some great work for God, go on a mission and say, I've done a great work for God. I'm a stone and I'm here to be with other stones and to be built up that God, my God, can have a dwelling place on the earth. Brothers, this is what he's looking for. Where is the place of my rest? Where is my house? To this man will I look. He's looking for those that will say, no, I'm not an individual. I'm here to be built up with others. I'm here to be a part of that thing called the dwelling place of God and spirit. Eventually, he saw, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So here's the question I have. You have here in the beginning, God, just God, dwelling in himself. Here at the end, you have God dwelling in redeemed, regenerated, transformed humanity built together. How does God get from here to here? How does he get from here to here? This is what John chapter 1 is all about. There's a bridge to get from God just dwelling by himself in divinity to get all the way over here to eternity future where God is dwelling among a corporate people. How does he get there? John 1 opens the door to that. Okay, you take a look. I'm going fast because I'm going to try to finish. You know, I want you to see this. In John 1, 3, you see God accomplishing his purpose through five events on the bridge of time. In John 1, do you see that? It's Roman numeral 3. What's the first thing he did on the bridge? Or is it 4? 4, sorry, yeah. What did he do? And what did he produce? Receive God as life. Okay, let's read John 1, 3, and 4. Ready, go. Okay, first, first step on the bridge is you have to have creation. You've got to have creation. And what is the center of God's creation? It's man. And man is what? A vessel, a receptacle to receive God as life. That's why you have Zechariah 12.1. Let's read that together. Ready? Go. Brothers, look at that. You have stretching forth the heavens laying the foundation of the earth. And then he talks about man's beautiful blue eyes, man's smart mind. What does he talk about there? And he forms what? The spirit of man within him, the very linking part of man, the part that God and man can be linked together through the spirit. That was important to God in his creation, that now there's a, there's a, a, a way that I can be joined to humanity is through man's spirit. Then, not only were we created with a spirit, look at this in, in Romans 10, 
10 and 12. Let's go ahead and read 10, 10, and 12. Brothers on 10, sisters on 12. Ready, go. Do you want to be a strong believer or do you want to wallow in weakness? Do you want to be a strong believer? Open your mouth. There is a verse in, 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 in Psalms 81. It says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You know what? Many times weakness in a believer's life is due to one thing. He doesn't or she doesn't open the mouth. You know what? Our mouth... You don't realize how powerful this mouth is. Our mouth is connected to our spirit. Look what it says there. He's rich to all that do what? Call upon him. He's rich. Brothers, your mouth can do one of two things. And a lot of times it's this. Gets us into a lot of trouble. A whole lot of trouble. And the more you speak, the more trouble you get into. And you know what? Your mouth can also be used to get a whole lot of God. Brothers, we have a spirit, we have a mouth, and we can call on the Lord. And if you call, you will be strengthened. You will be strengthened. You try it. You try it. You know, when the brothers first had me do it, I just thought, oh, no, I'm with a bunch of holy rollers. I thought it was so weird calling. <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, you know, I didn't have any background or anything. We called the whole way from Baton Rouge to Houston. The whole way, 300 miles. This was a spiritual Goodyear blimp after that. I was floating. I was enjoying God like I had never enjoyed God in my entire life. I mean, I used to do crazy things, you know, because I didn't know. I didn't have any background. I came from a different background. You know, I thought, okay, uh, Christmas Day, I'm going to go down to the Salvation Army, and I'm going to go take these guys out to lunch. I did that. And, uh, you know, I got to do something. I got to do something to get close to God. Okay, that's good. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. It was good. But boy, think about it, Carl. If we got to go to the Salvation Army every day and do this and do that to get God... Brothers, it's just not workable. It's not practical. Brothers, those brothers show me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Brothers, I really thought these people have found the secret key to the whole universe. And I am not being funny when I say that. I mean that. They said, you call on the Lord and you will touch God. And I'm not saying to call on the Lord in a vain way, brothers. I'm saying with your heart, with your spirit, with your mouth, you open every layer of your being. You will touch God and you will be strengthened. Calling is real. Don't think it's just a teaching in the Bible. It's something that we like to do. It is real. And it affects you. You call Abraham Lincoln, anything going to happen to you? I don't care how loud you call Abraham Lincoln. Nothing. Okay, who's some hero of Texas? William B. Travis. 
Zero. You call Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. You call that name, you touch the person of the name. Brothers, I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. Okay, then the next thing, man fell, right? We know man fell. And so the next thing on the, on the timeline is he had to become a man to deal with the problem of sin, right? So John 1.14, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We've already read that verse. Incarnation. Hallelujah. God became a man. Brothers, creation brought things into being. You know what incarnation did? Brought God into creation. That's what it did. God was mingled with man in the person of Christ. Okay, then, but we did have the problem of sin. So the next thing on the timeline is what? Redemption. Let's all read uh, uh, John one twenty nine. Ready? Go. Redemption. There's a subtraction, a divine subtraction. What a deal! The Lamb takes away the sin of the world. What a deal! Why wouldn't you believe in Him? This is the gospel. Here's this lamb, and he's going to take your sin away. The burden. Does sin do anything good for you? Tell me. Does it do anything good for you except kill you? The wages of sin is what? Death. It does nothing good for you, and yet our gospel is there's a little lamb. His name is Jesus, and he takes sin away. He subtracts it. Brothers, That is the good news. We have a lamb. Okay, then, but is it good enough just for the bottle to be clean? Okay, you take a Coke bottle out of a field and you cleanse it and you purify it. Is that good enough? Something's got to get added to the bottle, right? That's the spirit. Okay, then let's go read verse 32. Ready? Go. The spirit. Brothers, you know what the Spirit does? It adds. You know what the Lamb does? It subtracts. The Spirit adds. You know what the Spirit adds? Life. Look at that verse there. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Ready? Go. The last Adam, what? The Spirit adds life. It gives life. Okay, then not only does it give life, it transforms. The next verse It says, we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, even from the Lord's Spirit. So it gives life and it changes you. The Spirit changes you. And then what else does it do? It unites you. It it says, being diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit and the uniting bond of peace. Do you know what a created man needs? Regeneration. Do you know what a regenerated man needs? It needs to be transformed. Do you know what a transformed man needs? To be united. We need to be regenerated. We need to be transformed. We need to be united. And that's all by the Spirit. This is his job. His job over there at Costco is to take applications. You know what the Spirit's job is, Dante? Give you life. Transform you and unite you with the brothers. What a job. Brothers, that's the Spirit. That's the next one. And that that Spirit... 
what it does is it changes you into what? Something that's good for the building. And that's what we had here. And that was the stone when he changed Simon's name to a stone. So we'll just put here stone. Think about it. To go from here where it's just God dwelling just in divinity to go all the way here where God now is dwelling in humanity, but not natural humanity, regenerated humanity, transformed humanity, sanctified humanity, built up humanity, to go from there to get what he's after, the place of my rest, my house, he created. He became a man, incarnated. He subtracted at redemption. He took away sin. Then as the Spirit, he added, added life. And that life being added made us stones. And what are stones good for? Building. Brothers, that's what John 1 is all about. It's a bridge to take you from the alone God, the God dwelling by himself in divinity, to the corporate God, the God that now is with his people, dwelling together as the enlargement for eternity. Brothers, this is John chapter 1. Don't get stuck on the bridge. Don't get stuck. Some people, they're stuck right here. Creation. They just appreciate creation. You ever talk to people? They just love creation. They go camping. They go backpacking. They do everything. They have pictures. They have everything. Don't get stuck in creation. Some people are right here. They're just stuck in incarnation. It's wonderful God became a man. But don't just celebrate it one day a year. That's the mingling. Brothers, incarnation is the mingling of God and man. It's the, it's the prototype for what I have to have in my daily life. I need to be mingled. Some people are stuffed right here. Redemption, good enough. All my sins are forgiven. One day I'll be with him in the sweet by and by. From now on, what I need to do is preach the gospel and serve and be a good person. Don't stop on the bridge. You have to go all the way over to eventually... Touch the Spirit. Let the Spirit impart life to you. Let the Spirit transform you and unite you. And eventually, go all the way to being built with others. Become a stone so that God can be enlarged on the earth. That is John chapter 1. Brothers, that is John chapter 1. All the way from divinity to humanity that's built up and corporately expressing God as his enlargement for eternity. Brothers, go all the way over on the bridge. Don't stop at any one of those stations. That is John chapter 1. How do you like it? John 1 is too good. I get excited every time I touch John 1. I love it. All right, brothers, I don't know what we're going to do. Are we going to have five minutes for prophesying? Do we have time? Okay, let's set up the microphones. Come on up and release your spirit. Your mouth is going to get you into a whole lot of God tonight. If you don't know what to say, read something from the sheet. We don't, need any, we don't need high messages, right? 30 seconds. Just get up there and just release something. Okay, can you set this one up? Yeah. Okay, brothers. <laughs>